Hello, beautiful. This is Reverend Jennifer Hadley, and the recording you're about to listen to is part of the 2011 Living a Course in Miracles teleclass. Our intention in offering this class is to give you clear tools and practices that you can use to align with love every day in every area of your life. No one can do your healing for you. You must decide to choose love in every moment to the very best of your ability. Remember, miracles occur naturally as expressions of love. Intend to live a miraculous life of love and share the benefits of your healing and your expansion with everyone because you're one with them. Please pause the recording before the class starts and write down your intention in listening to the class. Partner up with your own higher Holy Spirit self. And please go to jenniferhadley.com for more tools and practical loving support every day. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the class. And so we begin with this breath of gratitude. And we place our hand on our hearts for a holy purpose because it literally helps us to connect in to the breath, to the heart. And that's what we're interested in doing is connecting to our heart for really our heart is the heart of God. Our mind is the mind of God. Our life is the life of God. And we're dedicating our word to be the word of God. We're only interested in the thoughts we think with God. And we're dedicating ourselves right now to releasing anything that could stand in the way of our pure faith, our deep trust. We are willing to literally be the love of God in our own life and in the life of everyone that our life touches, that we're the love. So in every conversation, in every email, in every activity, in every relationship, we are willing to show up as love. This is our declaration right now. Willing to literally have the faith of God to be its representation in this world, in our experience of life. And so in gratitude, we truly dedicate our healing and our expansion to the benefit of everyone because we're one with them. So all boats rise on this holy tide of love and we're all lifted, so grateful and so thankful to say yes right now, and so it is. Amen. All right. So for those of you who are uh, true students of A Course in Miracles, and by that I'm really just uh, letting you know that not everyone who is participating in these classes is A Course in Miracles student. And you don't have to be. And that is one of our intentions in this class is that folks who have friends and relations that are not Course in Miracles students could invite their friends and relations to participate and they wouldn't feel left out. Because so often Course in Miracles students are really desiring to share with others and feeling that it's too complicated to explain sometimes or that uh, people will think they're weird if they talk about it, all of this. And Course in Miracles teaches us that this world is an illusion. It's an illusion in our mind. And yet our experience is very powerful. And our experience is not here because we've done something wrong or we've made a mistake. All of our experience is here to assist us in learning and growing. And so often in our lives we can think that we're being punished. 
Doesn't it feel that way sometimes, like we're being punished? I know I have felt that way many, many times in my life, that I was being punished. And developing a strong faith helped me to realize that that's not true. I'm not being punished. It's merely the law of cause and effect is active in my life. And so there are some sections in A Course in Miracles that I'd like to draw your attention to. And I am going to refer to them. But more importantly, I'm inviting you to study them on your own time. So it's Chapter 2, Sections 6 and 7 on Fear and Conflict and Cause and Effect. Because very often when I'm sharing, people ask me for, could you please give me the specifics of where you are in the text? So I'm inviting you to study those over and over again. And one way to do that in a new, fresh way is to read it line by line out loud to yourself. And before you even begin that, to engage with the Holy Spirit, to, as I often say, partner up, and invoke the Holy Spirit, invoke divine grace into your listening so that you are one with that teacher in your mind in that moment. And you will be amazed at the difference in your experience when you're actually doing the reading, if you partner up beforehand. And you say, Holy Spirit, higher self, holy self, Please guide me so that I can understand these teachings more clearly than ever before. And so this week we're talking about trust and faith. Now, one of the things I think is very important to understand, and it took me a long time to understand that this, and that's why I share it often, and that is, here's what I believe faith is. So, yes, faith is a belief in things not seen. Yes, it is. Faith is, I believe, it is the the vehicle of of our accessing the infinite wisdom. So, there's not a one of us that doesn't have equal access to infinite wisdom. But what happens is we forget that. And we block it. So if you think that you are right and someone else is wrong, if you think that you are good and someone else is bad, then what that really means is you're not actually interested in divine wisdom. You're not actually interested in divine order. You're more interested in what you think. Course in Miracles encourages us to live in the space of only being interested in thinking the thoughts we think with God and living in that space so that there's no separation in our mind between what we're interested in and the divine flow, the highest possibility in our life. But if we are interested in judging in holding others separate from us, then we're not interested in the flow of divine wisdom. We're interested in what we think. We're interested in what we, quote-unquote, know. And so what we're going to see and what we're going to experience is going to be a result of us disconnecting from divine flow. So this is the thing, is that divine order doesn't have any breaks. It takes no weekends off. It never goes on a holiday. It has no interruptions whatsoever. So our life is always an experience of the divine flow. It's always an experience of the divine flow. That never stops. But if we're looking at our life and thinking, this should not be happening to me. I don't like this. This should not be this way. I mean, how many times have you walked into a room or to a meeting, a party, an event, a a gathering of any kind, and you've thought, this shouldn't be like this. This is wrong. Right? How many times have you done that? You just look at it and you go, nope, this is not what should be happening. 
It should be different. And I know for me personally, I used to be a control freak. So, and I, I mean, I, I, I joke that I'm a control freak in recovery. And when I first realized that I was a control freak a long time ago, back in the 80s, and I, I realized I was a control freak because I was in that position in my life, metaphorically, where my face was pressed against the floor, you know, and a, an elephant was standing on my back saying, do you see now that you cannot make your life work by following uh, your own judgments into every uh, every." aspect of your life that you have to get you have to give up your judgments and opinions you have to give up the need to be right all the time and to try and control and manipulate all the time or you're just going to be miserable so with my faith pressed against the floor and that elephant standing on my back I finally cried uncle and said okay 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 there must be a better way and it was at that point I was in therapy at that time and my therapist helped me to see that I was a raging control freak. Raging control freak. And so I thought, oh, they should have a 12 step program for control freaks. That would be so good. Because I knew a lot of people who were in 12 step programs. I thought, oh, and then I started thinking about who would run the meeting. <laughs> And I realized, oh, they can't have 12-step program for control freaks. Because there would be, oh, no, that would not be pretty. That would not be pretty. That would not be good for me. And so I realized that actually what control freaks have to do is they have to do it on their own. They have to. And so I, at that time... I made a pact with myself that I was going to stop trying to control everything. Now, I didn't know how to stop trying to control everything because up until that point, I was about 30 years old at the time, up until that point, I thought my job was to control things as best I could because I knew better than everybody else in my life how it should be. I did. I really did. I knew better than everybody else how it should be. I knew better than my boyfriend. I knew better than all my friends. I knew better than my parents, my brother. Uh, everybody in my life needed me to know what was best for them. Because otherwise they would go astray. And they wouldn't be happy. And they would be living their life in vain. You know? So I knew that I knew. And yet I also could feel the weight of that elephant and so I prayed I prayed I prayed I prayed to be free of the need to control and that's the great thing when you turn it over and you stop trying to figure out how because I had no idea how I was going to have a healing and just to give you an idea right at the time that I realized my life was in crisis and I was melting down my therapist said I'm moving. And um, and actually, two weeks before that, I had said to her, I, it, 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 actually two months before the meltdown, she had, uh, uh, and I had discussed that, you know, maybe I didn't need to be in therapy. You know, every now and then, a little refresher, you know. But, and then all heck broke, broke loose in my life and I realized I was a control freak and I was having emergency sessions, you know, and that kind of thing because really I was desperate. I was desperate. I mean, I was desperate to try to control what was impossible to control in my life. And the details just don't matter. So what I did was I started to follow divine guidance like I never had before in my life. And what I started to hear in the pauses, because I started to take pauses, because my impulse was always to say what I thought and try and grab the reins to every moment of every day, I started to take these pauses. And in the pause, I would hear, don't say anything. Let others decide. So people would say, where should we go eat? And I knew where we should go eat. You know, I knew it was best for everybody. And why? And I could have, you know, easily explained all that. But I would just, I started forcing myself to just say, 
I don't know. What do you think? And people were shocked at first. They would be like, me? My? You, I get to decide? Really? Seriously. I started to realize, whoa, people really expect me to lead and guide them in everything. And so I started to also realize, oh, if I don't make every decision for everyone, I can start to relax. There's real freedom here. Because I don't have to take responsibility for everybody else. I can just take responsibility for me. And that was amazing. It was literally, it changed my whole life. Because I would start to say, you decide. You you oh you'll I'm sure you'll make a good decision. I wasn't sure of that at all. I was sure of the opposite actually. Initially when I started to say that, I really didn't think people could make a good decision. But I was practicing not being in control. And it was amazing how quickly because I turned it over. It was amazing how quickly I actually learned, wow, this is so much easier when you're not a control freak. And so then I could just let it go. And so now, actually, one of the challenges I have is I forget to tell people some of my preferences and some of the details and things because I'm so in the trust mode that they they can figure it out. And or I forget that they can't hear everything that I hear because I'm, I'm very intuitive and I forget that everybody else isn't very intuitive and listening to the invisible field. But, you know, it, it doesn't create crisis. It just, it's my learning, my learning now. So all of that brought me to the realization that I was learning to place my faith in God rather than in myself. And by self, I mean the ego self, really. So that's it. We're always in every moment, we're placing our faith in something. You're placing your faith in something. So you're placing your faith in the airline pilot that they're going to land the plane. Or are you placing your faith in God? Are you placing your faith in the person you send on the errand? Or are you placing your faith in God? Are you willing to see that divine order never is interrupted, that it's always flowing in your life? Or are you going to judge it and think that it's gone, it's not happening? Because if you are interested in saying that divine order has ceased and chaos has broken out, then you're going to feel compelled to start trying to control and manage and manipulate everything. And when you feel that, you will feel anxious in your body. You will feel afraid. Why will you feel afraid? You'll feel afraid because you do not have the ability to direct things in all directions of time and space. So if we're not partnered up with God, then you will feel a burden. A burden of trying to control, manage, and manipulate, which is beyond your ability to control, manage, and manipulate. So you'll always feel anxious. You will always feel anxious. So if you would like to release that, you must learn to to trust and have faith. And we're going to talk more about how do you do that tomorrow. But today, we're really getting clear about what these principles are and why it works the way it works. So I want to quote from the Course in Chapter 2 here in this section of um, Fear and Conflict in Chapter 2. It's my page 28 and 29 here. And it says, The correction of fear is your responsibility. That's paragraph four. The correction of fear is your responsibility. When you ask for the release from fear, you are implying that it is not your responsibility. You should ask instead for help in the conditions that have brought the fear about. These conditions always entail a willingness to be separate. At any level, you can help it. So when we're choosing to try to manage, manipulate, and control, we're choosing to separate ourselves from God because we do not have faith in God. We do not trust God. And 
This is where faith and trust work together. So I'm going to break this down for you. This is very important to understand. Faith is this, as I started to say before, faith is the knowledge, the wisdom of God and our access to it. So everything that is known is known in the mind of God and we have total access to it if we're interested in it. If we're more interested in what we think, then the mind of God and the activity of the mind of God, all we will see and all we will experience and all we will feel is what we think. But if we're interested in the divine, then that's what we'll see and that's what we'll know. Because the wisdom of God is omnipresent and omnipotent. It is always there for us. It does not change. The wisdom of God is unchangeable. It never, ever varies in any way whatsoever. It is constant. My, I really think that one of my favorite spiritual qualities is constancy. That God never changes. The wisdom of God is always the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The thing that changes is our willingness to accept it. We access it through our willingness to accept it. So the wisdom of God and literally the ability to see through all directions of time and space and to understand the cause and the effect of every thought that we think and every thought that everyone else thinks, all of that is totally available to us if we're interested in knowing the truth. But if what we're interested in is our opinions and judgments, we will put a veil between our ability to see and know the truth and the truth itself. So this is our choice, right? This is our free will choice. Now, it's very important to understand this that in this 3D illusion of life experience that we're having, part of the, the I'm trying to think of the, the best word for it, part of the basic tenets of this world that we're experiencing is that we are here in part, and I know we're not really here, because sometimes Course in Miracles students go, we're not really here. Why do you keep saying we're here? Okay. <laughs> okay, I know. I know. But part of why we're having this experience, and that's what I mean when I say we're here, part of why we're having this life experience is because we signed up for the the bus that went to the part of the mind that said, I'd like to experience free will. So there is no free will, but there's the illusion of free will. And that's what we have in this world. We have the illusion of free will. But you see, there cannot be a free will because there's only divine will. Course in Miracles talks about that. There's only divine will. You can't have a separate will from God because you can't be separate from God. But in your mind, you can think that you are. And in that, you have the illusion of free will. So this whole business of the the 3D experience we're having in the illusion is about will you align your use of free will with divine will so that there's no separation? Your will is the will of God at all times, which means simply that you choose the most loving choice at all times. And as you do, as you become supremely interested in that, you will release all sense of fear, all sense of separation, and you will be able to see through all directions of time and space. And that's what the atonement is. It's when your mind is so clear that there's only the will of God, the thought of God, and that's all there is. And in that, you can bring the greatest benefit to everyone in your family, everyone that you love so much. So, Sometimes we're trying to drag people to church with us and we're trying to drag people to a study group with us and we're trying to get people to read 
Disappearance of the Universe or John Mundy's book or somebody's book or whatever it is, come to Living a Course in Miracles class. The greatest gift we can give to all of those people in our life is simply to love them unconditionally. Then they will be inspired to hear anything that we have to say to them with love. But nobody wants to be pushed into studying something that someone else is studying but not living. Because that's crazy. Haven't we all had the experience of someone trying to drag us to something because they thought it was so great, but they weren't actually living it. They were just dancing around it. And it was something that just occupied their mind for a time. And they had the illusion in their mind that by taking that class, studying that book, or listening to that teacher, studying that with that teacher, that somehow they were in some special club that made them so elite and wonderful, so deeply spiritual. Because I used to do that, you know. I, I, I've been a part of the Agape community for 17 years now, and Michael Beckwith has been my minister for all those years, and he's a wonderful, beautiful, pure, pure teacher. And uh, I can remember years ago really thinking, oh, this other spiritual teacher isn't so good. I've got Michael Beckwith, you know. I mean, who, oh, please, you know. And people would say, oh, I love this teacher. I'm like, yeah, well, yeah, that's because you don't know Michael Beckwith, yeah. You know, I mean, we do all kinds of crazy games as spiritual seekers. And and uh, I was in uh, in my the Unity radio show that I have, which is at unity.fm <clears throat> on the Internet. You can listen to the Living A Course in Miracles radio show. Uh, last week I interviewed Ken Wapnick, and he was talking about some Course in Miracles people would literally, rather than talk to you about A Course in Miracles, they'd just rather pound you over the head with a book. You know, beat you to death with it. And so, you know, this is our opportunity is when we feel that need to try to control, we feel that need to um, coerce people or to try and control and manipulate ourselves. That's when we can say, oh, I've forgotten that divine order and divine will supersede everything. And I can relax into that and I can learn to have trust in that. So divine wisdom is all that there is. Divine wisdom is omnipresent and omnipotent. And it's about our willingness to trust that. Now here's how faith and trust are different. When you give up all your opinions and judgments, all the negativity, then you will have pure access to the faith that is God, the wisdom that is God, that is your true nature. That's your faith. So when people are praying to have faith, what they're really praying to do is release everything that is hiding that wisdom. They're praying to release everything that is covering up their access to the pure wisdom and knowledge of God. Because when you release all the judgments, all the opinions, all the blame, the shame, the regrets, and the resentments, you will realize the wisdom of God. It's already there. You already have total access to it. But as I said before, if you're interested in your own thoughts and your own judgments and your own opinions then you will not cherish the wisdom of God, right? You're cherishing what you think, and your thoughts are not aligned with God. So you won't have an experience of faith. And I know this because I've prayed with thousands of people. And every single prayer, really, when you boil it down to its core, it's a prayer for more faith. But there's nothing that can give you more faith. Only you can release everything that blocks true faith. That's it. It's all about you. It's never about anything else. So one of the experiences I've had many, many, many times, especially studying to be a a science of mind practitioner, studying to be a minister, is many 
practitioners and ministers have said to me and confided in me, oh, I can pray for anybody else but myself. When I pray for myself, it just doesn't seem to work. I don't, I don't. And, and secretly, I, I know that many of them fear and cannot even bring themselves to say it, but they fear that they don't have the hoodoo. They don't have the mojo. And so they're taking more classes and they're studying more books in order to somehow acquire the mojo, to somehow acquire the wisdom, to somehow acquire the insight, the intuition, the direct connection with God. Never ever realizing that the thing that is blocking them to that pure understanding of God is their own mind cherishing their judgments and their opinions. That is the only thing that blocks the wisdom of God. Nothing outside of you can give you the wisdom of God. Nothing outside of you can take the wisdom of God from you. So it is a bold thing when you get to the day where you say, I'm only interested in the thoughts I think with God, truly. I'm really not interested in having any thoughts apart from the thoughts I think with God. In other words, I don't want to disagree with God anymore. I don't want to walk around thinking divine order is not happening anymore. I'm not interested in that anymore. I'm only interested in being the love and the light and seeing the love and the light in everyone else. And that's what Living a Course in Miracles is all about. It's about getting to that point. And when you arrive at that point with your whole heart, It doesn't mean that you still won't have many judgments and opinions every single day. But when your whole heart is in, then the judgments and opinions, they just start to slide off and fall away. There's no sense of it being hooked anymore. So if you can think of, I don't know if any of you have ever been fishing, but I used to go fishing a lot when I was a little girl with my dad and my grandpa and my uncles. And uh, we would go fishing, so we'd put worms on hooks and you know, I, I know I, it seems horrible to do now, but anyway, um, that's part of fishing. You got to bait the hook. So, um, and and a fish hook, you know, it has a, I don't know what that thing is called, a barb. It has a barb on it, and um, that gets that hook to stay in that fish's mouth. You know, it catches. And so, when we have an attachment to something, and we are really interested in having it be our way then unhooking that attachment can feel really painful. And you can imagine, just like if you saw a fish with a hook in its mouth, taking that hook out of a fish's mouth, that is painful. You know, it's not like removing an acupuncture needle because it's got that barb on it. And so the more attached we are, the more painful it is to unhook it. But it's only because we're interested in holding on to it. So I know for me the most challenging times in my life were simply because I had the strongest attachments. So what I learned in that was to partner up with the Holy Spirit to help me unhook. Your little willingness is all that's required. So important to understand that. And that's what... Jesus is talking about in this section, the correction of fear is your responsibility. Because if someone else could take away the effects of your choices, how would you ever learn? How would you ever learn? If you think of a child learning to walk, They learn through trial and error. And we learn through trial and error too. How do we learn that being unloving, being judgmental, harboring attack thoughts is going to be painful for us? We learn by the experience of it. If we could think and harbor all those attack thoughts without any pain, without any fear, we would never give them up. We would never give them up. And the more we love them, the more we cherish them, 
the deeper that hook is in. But if we would like to let the hook go easily, we partner up with the Holy Spirit. We say, I'm not interested in that anymore. I'm really interested in love now. Help me release this thought from my mind so that I never think it again. Please heal it back to its root source so I never think it again. And you know what I add to that? Anyone else who is thinking this thought, let them have a healing too. Because our minds are joined together. Let my healing experience benefit everyone to the maximum. And by doing that, I'm affirming that I am one with everyone. And of Course in Miracles talks about this over and over and over again. And this is why we need to be grateful for our brothers and sisters because they're helping us learn. They're helping us learn. So when we're willing to understand that divine order is the only order there is, that divine will is the only will that there is, then we will reveal that deep faith. But as long as we invest our faith in something other than God, we won't have the faith of God. And worry is the negative use of your faith. It's placing your faith in something other than God. It is imagining that God has left the building and bad things are going to start happening now. And you are the one that has to figure out how to prevent it. Right? What, what, what could be more egotistical than that? Than thinking that God has left the building and now you're in charge. What could be more egotistical than that? But that's what worry is. Worry is thinking that you're in charge and that you're not equipped. But if you didn't think you were in charge, you wouldn't worry about being equipped. If you could give the heavy lifting to God at all times, you would never be concerned that you were ill-equipped because you'd always be partnered up and you'd always know that you had everything you needed. It's true because I walk into all kinds of situations now where I have no idea what's needed. But I always know that what is needed will be provided, if not by me, by someone else, because we are all connected in the mind of God. So I don't ever feel like I have to bring everything. You see, but I could never come to that until I was willing to give up trying to control everything. So now I live in the let go to a large degree, not 100%. I'm still working on it myself and I fall down every day, but I get up every day too. So much relief when we can trust God. I remember during... um the last election, presidential election. I had uh, a number of people come to me for counseling during that time because they were terrified about who might be elected president. And they had such a deep and desperate desire to try and control the political outcomes. And they knew that they couldn't. And so they were literally distraught all of the time, thinking if things didn't go the way they wanted them to go, the way they thought they should go, that life would go to hell in a handbasket. And it would be so bad and so wrong that they couldn't bear it. And so they were literally losing sleep over it. That's the level to which people can have a lack of faith, and a lack of trust. And I know that one of the things that so many people experience is they, they, they have loved ones that are making choices that they don't agree with. It could be anything from, I don't think my grandchildren should be vaccinated that it's going to ruin my grandchildren's life if those children are vaccinated. It can be, it could be, um, if, if my 
friend takes that job, it's going to ruin their life. If my my spouse has one more drink, it's going to ruin their life. If my kids um, do drugs one more time, it's going to ruin their life. Whatever it is, that it's going to ruin their life. And even in that, we are saying, I have no faith in God. I have no faith in God in them. And I think that one of the most challenging things that we do to our loved ones is we put them in a bubble of, I have no faith in you. And we send that thought to them over and over and over again. I have no faith in you. 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 I have no faith in God as you. I have none. I don't believe that you can take care of yourself. I don't believe you can make the right decision. I don't believe that your life is in divine order. It's wrong, it's bad, it's wrong, it's bad, it's wrong, it's bad. We just keep thinking that over and over and over again, compulsively, until we become obsessed about it. This happens on a regular basis. Yes, it does. We all know people for whom that has happened either temporarily or it's been a lifetime commitment. And many of us have been on the other side of that equation. Many of us have been on the other side of that equation. I I know that when I um, moved out of my parents' house and I went to college, I went to college in Boston, and um, and then after four years of school in Boston, living right in the city, in the heart of the city, I moved to Manhattan, right in the heart of Manhattan. And my grandmothers and uh, I, uh, we had uh, been corresponding since when I could first write. And so I would write to my grandmother almost every week uh, because that was back when long distance was like 35 cents a minute. And um, that was a lot of money. <laughs> so uh, we wrote letters. We wrote letters. And, and this was even before the computers and everything. So we wrote them by hand or on typewriters and things like that. So... Um, and my, I used to get these letters from my grandmother all the time where she would say, I just pray something terrible doesn't happen to you. And I used to think, well, how does that work? She's praying that something terrible doesn't happen to me. So is she imagining something terrible happening to me and then drawing a circle and a line through it? You know, so what is she imagining me being mugged and raped and dragged through the streets? And then she says, that's not happening. I don't know how she did that. You know, but I knew what she meant, and so because my my grandmother was a worrier, she was that's a negative use of faith, and she's very devout um, Christian woman, and um, so she was very very prayerful, and I know she just said God bless Jennifer, God bless Jennifer, and so that was my experience was I felt very blessed, felt very blessed, and. Because the infinite mind of God knows the intention, knows the intention. But at the same time, I know she also worried about whether or not I had the ability to make the best decisions. Because she saw sometimes I would fall down and and I have to get back up. Sometimes I would make decisions that she didn't agree with. Because um, when I was in college and things like that, I was a smoker. And she hated smoking. And so whenever I was around her, she, I would, I would try not to smoke and then I'd sneak a cigarette. And the minute I would come back in the house, she'd say, you've been smoking. You know, and then, and I learned to say, yes. And I'm not interested in having a conversation with you about it. And what I know now is, if, if somebody in my life is smoking, and I, I don't think that's, I don't smoke anymore. I, for me, smoking is not healthy. It does not contribute to me having a clear mind and a healthy body. And I'm more interested in that than in, I, I want to be more sensitive and cigarettes makes me less sensitive. So I'm interested in being more sensitive to divine insight, clarity, and wisdom. And so I stopped smoking for, because I, I just knew it was blocking the flow of divine intelligence in my life. That might not be true for someone else. I, I have no need to say what anybody else should do. But I, and, and I also know that I don't need to look at someone who is smoking and think, you're killing yourself with that cigarette. Because all thoughts produce form at some level. So 
if I'm saying to someone, even in my mind, you're killing yourself with that cigarette, what am I putting my faith in? My own judgments. My own judgments. And I'm saying, I am the God of my world. I am the God of my world. Divine order is not here. I am in charge of divine order. It should be the way I think it should be. And as long as I think that, I cannot see the true good in what is right now. And I want to see the true good that is right now. I'm interested in that. I'm so interested in that. Because it blows my hair back every day. It does. It's like with this Living a Course in Miracles teleclass series. When I first got the idea to do it, I thought, well, that sounds pretty simple. Eight classes on the phone on Thursdays, eight classes on the phone on Fridays. Because it came through real clear. Two classes each week. Here's the... It was so clear. It was like, you know, it was already written out and given to me. I thought, well, I, I've been teaching classes on the phone for 10 years. I can do that. That's easy. It is not easy when you're going to put it out to thousands of people. I mean, just the hundreds of emails that come in every day saying, I can't find the phone number on the website or I can't figure this out or I don't, you know, it just, so it takes a whole team of people to do something that seemed so easy in the beginning. And as I've said before, had I any idea how involved it would be and how many, 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 many hours a week of my time, you know, literally just, it's a full-time job. I, I, I don't think I would have said yes as easily as I did because I just went, oh, yes, oh, yes. What a great idea. But I'm so glad that I had no clue no clue at all. It's like when I moved to Los Angeles, uh, I thought I was going there to go to film school. And uh, I had applied to USC and to UCLA film schools, and I figured I'd get into one of them. So I just went ahead and moved to Los Angeles while I was waiting to hear, which my family was kind of shocked by that because I didn't even get accepted before I moved. But... I did. I moved to Los Angeles and thinking that I was going to just go to film school. Well, I did go to film school and then I became a practitioner and a minister at Agape and now I'm a full-time minister, spiritual teacher, writer. And uh, that's why I went to Los Angeles, to be in that, that community and to be in all those resources and to be with all those other people who wanted to study that. And also so that I would uh, attract and and manifest the resources to then broadcast it out to the world in the ways that we're doing. So what I know is that when we go anywhere, we think we're going for one reason. Very often we're going to get something. That's why we think we're going somewhere. But if we're in the let go and we're tuned into divine wisdom, we will find out once we get there that we're there to give something. We're there to give something. And very often if we're really following divine guidance and we're really willing, once we get there and it becomes clear what we're there to give, Had we known before we took the journey what would be happening once we got there, we never would have gone. We never, it's a bait and switch operation. That's what God is. It's a bait and switch operation all the time. But you see, that's why we have to cultivate our willingness because I am now so grateful that I can support myself through the gifts of many people supporting me uh, as a full-time spiritual teacher. And that, that was my heart's desire. And there was a time in my life when that heart's desire was really from an ego-driven place. I, I, I was interested in God. I was interested in spirituality. And I really liked the idea of being able to feel like I was smarter and better than everybody else. You know, I really had that thought. 
you know, I, it wasn't in the forefront of my mind, but as I kept peeling that onion, the layers of judgments and opinions, I really realized that the ego was driving my passion for ministry. And then, fortunately, all those prayers added up to I wasn't interested in that anymore. And I could surrender my whole life. And I swear to you, if somebody said to me tomorrow, if I heard the voice of God say, and now you're going to go live in a cave in Tibet for the next 30 years and simply emanate the love of God through your life in the cave by yourself. I would say, may I please have moisturizer? (laughs) Really, I just, is there going to be moisturizer? Will there be some coffee? Maybe at least some tea, some good tea. Occasionally I could go have a facial and a manicure. (laughs) Just some basics. But even if the mind of God said, no, no, in this lifetime you're really going to discover what it's like to do without all those things, I really can feel in my heart now that I would say, you know what, I can feel there's going to be such good in that. Let's do it. Let's go. Let's see. Let's see what life is like without moisturizer. Do you know? So it's being in that let go and being in that willingness. Now, here is the kicker. How you truly acquired the faith of God, which is, remember, peeling back everything that's covering it up, because it's already there. How you acquire it, how you access it, how you drill down to it, is moment by moment, you place your trust in God. So trust, this is the difference between trust and faith. Somebody else may have a different idea about this. I've never actually read this in a book anywhere, but this is what I believe. Trust is what we do within the confines of time and space. Trust is temporal. It's time-bound. So in the moment, you have to place your trust in God. That's what it really means. You have to trust in the invisible. So the whole trajectory of my ministry and all the classes that I teach is about encouraging people to work in the invisible. And that's really working with your thought and aligning your heart and your mind so that your heart and your mind are congruent. Your thoughts and your actions are congruent with love. And that requires trust. And through the many, many, many acts of trust, You dissolve everything that covers up your unshakable faith. That's what it means when it says faith without works is dead. That's really what that means to me. So in the next class, that's what we're going to do is we're going to be talking about acquiring the trust day to day. So it's about being willing to make the commitment to be attracted to trying to control, trying to manage with everything, and thinking of yourself as being separate from God and liking that. It's about giving up the idea that divine order is not happening now and that what you think is what should be. We have to place our trust in God. So it's really not that we place our trust in other people. We trust in God. We trust in God. Now remember, people are the living representation of God. But in our heart of hearts, we usually know if we can rely on someone. We usually know. And if we're about to rely on someone who is unreliable, we usually get lots of warning bells. I had this experience just the other day where I really was interested in trusting someone because I felt that it would be beneficial to them if they knew I trusted them. But I kept getting this warning bell saying they are not ready for that and they are going to collapse under the responsibility. And it will just make things harder for them because then they will feel that they're not capable. But the thing is, is 
you're the one who's asking them to do something they really can't do because you want them to rise to the task. But energy was telling me, spirit was telling me, don't put that trust in them. Put your trust in God. Somebody else can do that. It can work some other way. It's not for you to try and manipulate their good and what they can do and what they can't do. Does that make sense? Can you see where maybe you've been expecting things from someone that it's not fair to expect it of them? And this is really important because expectation is an attachment. It's a hook. It's a hook. So what we learn to do is we learn to say, this is my preference. This is my intention. This is my desire. And those are three different things. And we place our trust and faith in God. But we unhook from expectations. We unhook from expectations because our faith is in God. We don't have to have expectations of people. At the same time, it doesn't mean that we can't say, will you pick up my dry cleaning? And if they say yes, that we'll expect them to do it. But that's an agreement. You know, they've agreed. But even if they don't do it, we don't have to read them the riot act. If they forget, we don't have to read them the riot act. We can say, ah, oh, look how attached I was to having them pick up my dry cleaning and they didn't do it. So I was thinking I had to have that or my life would be horrible, it would be miserable. Right? Haven't we all at some point in our life attacked a loved one because they forgot to do something that they said they would do? And we have punished them and guilted them and shamed them and blamed them. And hasn't the same thing been done to us? Let's all put an end to that by placing our faith in God and releasing the attachment to how it should be and to know that even when someone doesn't keep their agreement, our good isn't that. And are we willing to see the good? So in a certain way, it boils down to that old joke about Christmas morning, and the two kids come down on Christmas morning, and the, they open their stockings, and one has a stocking full of uh, horse dung, horse manure, and one kid says, oh my God, this is horrible, and the other kid says, if there's horse manure, there must be a pony around here somewhere, mm-hmm. right? It's, you know, the optimist versus the pessimist. So it's Training your mind to see that divine order and that the good of your life can never be somewhere else. I used to joke when I was in the practitioner training with my friend Paul uh, because we we would we were still in a place where we like to complain and judge others, and we would judge our classmates and complain about our classmates. But you know, we only did it the two of us. So nobody knew we were judging and complaining them because we wouldn't want them to know that because it wasn't spiritual and we knew that. So that's why we did it privately where they couldn't hear. And because when you do it privately and they can't hear, it's not, it's not the same. You know, right? It doesn't have the same power. Kidding, of course. So we, we would privately share our judgments and things about our classmates. And then at the end of our little judgment party, I would say to Paul, And still we're one with them. And he would look at me with tears in his eyes, literally, and he would say, I know, and I love them so much. And it was true. It was true. And the thing that we were judging was really that which we felt threatened by, that which we felt uncomfortable with in ourselves. And we had just projected it onto them. And while it was out there, we could say, I'm not that. I'm not that. So we would have this little party for five minutes. I'm not one with them. And then at the end, we would conclude with, but I am one with them. I am one with them. And that was part of how we worked our way out of it. You know, it really was part of how we worked our way out of it. 
And what I can tell you now is I'm, I'm not interested in five minutes apart from everyone at any time. I'm really only interested in the oneness. And I never, ever imagined that I could be as free as I am now. It, it, I truly could not imagine the level of freedom I experience in my mind now because I really could not have 60 seconds without an opinion or a judgment. I just felt I was, the, I was born to be the judger. And now I know that the judger always feels judged. The attacker always feels attacked. And the lover always feels beloved. And that God will never let me down. And I love being able to fly on the wings of the Holy Spirit. And that's what trust is. And that's why we're here together in this moment right now. That's why you're listening to my voice. is because that you too are interested in that freedom. And the only way that one of us can have it is that we all have it. So we're joined together in that. And so I invite you to take a breath of gratitude with me right now. That the beginning of true faith is happening. It's happening for me. It's happening for you. It's happening for all beings. Because we're saying yes right now. We're saying yes to divine wisdom. Being our leader and our guide, we're saying yes to divine insight and divine clarity obliterating any desire that we have to separate ourselves. We're truly invoking the higher self, the holy self, the Holy Spirit self into every nook and cranny of our awareness through all directions of time. And we are gratefully and joyfully surrendering every judgment and every opinion that has ever had us hooked for a moment, whether it was a collective judgment in our community, in our country, in the world, or it was in our family. We're unhooking ourselves from it and we're taking everyone with us right now. Literally setting ourselves free and bringing our ancestors and our descendants with us. Every single one. We're calling for a purification in all minds. That all we know is divine faith and divine trust. That we walk in the love of God. Revealing peace, kindness, compassion, and a joy that is unprecedented and unconditional. That everything that we're placing into the river is nourishing, it's medicine, it's healing. We're so grateful and so thankful to say yes. To say yes to living our destiny which is to be free and to know we are free, to accept the divine order and divine will are the only thing that's ever happening, and to give up any interest in choosing any idea of separation. In grace and gratitude, we truly do let it be, and so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. And so as we conclude here, I'd like to remind everyone that we have class again in uh, just about 12 hours. So that will be the practical application of living it day to day, the trust and the faith, making your life a faith walk. And that can seem really daunting, but the truth of the matter is it's so Oh my goodness, is it so much easier when you're not in charge of everything. So we're glad to be able to do that. And I'm really inviting you right now to make your appointment, literally put it in your appointment book and invite others to come with you. Get yourself an appointment that you can't wiggle out of to re-listen to these classes. You've got 48 hours to listen to them for free. So thank you. Thank you for being willing Thank you for sharing, and thank you for being my prayer partner and my friend. I love you, and I appreciate you. Thank you.
This is Jennifer Hadley again. I invite you to remember that your dedication to your life of love is the best gift that you can share with the world. Love is the only healer, and it's always available to you for the asking. Remember, too, that you cannot have that which you're unwilling to share. Share the love today. Love out loud and know that all boats rise on this holy tide of love. Thank you for joining us. Please go to JenniferHadley.com for more tools and practical loving support every day.